podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Thursday, March 31st, brought to you by epindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're normally geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. A Liberty Shield VPN, which is the number one rated VPN on Trustpilot, can get you access to whatever it is you want to watch, regardless of the country you're sitting in, and keep that data safe. If you go to libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, you get 25% off either the router or the software package. The software is instant download to your device and get using. So that's libertyshield.com and EPL25 at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, I start with an apology. I gave you bad information yesterday. I said that if Costa Rica beat America, Costa Rica were qualified. That was not the case. I don't know why I didn't check goal difference. America lost 2-0 to Costa Rica, but still qualify for the World Cup. Mexico also threw. They beat El Salvador 2-0. So that is the CONCACAF qualification done and dusted Canada through they lost last night by the way to Panama Mexico through USA through and Costa Rica will join the playoffs where they will face where they will face New Zealand New Zealand beat the Solomon Islands 5-0 yesterday uh Chris Wood now of Newcastle of course getting one of the five goals so the inter-confederation playoffs will be UAE or Australia versus Peru, and then New Zealand versus Costa Rica. Those games take place in Dubai, I believe. We'll also have one more place to be filled. That's a place from Europe. It'll be Wales versus Scotland or the Ukraine for that spot. All other spots are filled. All 29 other spots are filled. We'll do the newsy type bits first, and then we've got a bunch of questions, and we'll wrap with the gossip. Uh, last night at the new Camp, there was a crowd of 91,553 fans to watch Barcelona versus Real Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals. Barcelona thrashed Real 5-2. There were also online streams of this game, which brought in an audience of about a quarter of a million. This is a massive moment for women's football, to have a crowd like that, both in attendance and watching live. We are starting to see more and more interest in women's football, and it can only be a good thing. It really can only be a good thing. In another quarterfinal last night we had Paris Saint-Germain against Bayern Munich and a 2-2 draw meant that PSG went through 4-3 on aggregate so congrats to them Barca and PSG through to the semi-final stage uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy will take over as manager of PSV Eindhoven in the summer this will be his first senior managerial role Roger Schmidt is leaving. He will have 
no shortage of offers with the work he's done at PSG. And he could still leave with an Eredivisie title in his pocket. Big, big task for Van Nistelrooy, though. Anytime you're taking over a top club in a domestic league as your first job, you're going to be under pressure. Uh, He signed a three-year contract. He's obviously been working at the club for the last couple of years, coaching in the academy, coaching as part of the first team. So he does feel ready, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets set. Uh, What else do we have here, then? We have... Right, moving on from World Cup and managerial appointments, uh, let's look at Manchester United and Liverpool will face each other in a pre-season friendly in Thailand in July. United will then go on and play Crystal Palace in Australia. So both of the big hitters heading for Asia this summer. Uh, An MP said Chelsea cannot be business as usual. Nigel Huddleston has said Chelsea cannot be allowed to operate business as usual after sanctions were imposed on Roman Abramovich. Nigel Huddleston is obviously the sports minister. Uh, Abramovich's assets have been seized and sale of home tickets and merchandise stopped but the club allowed to continue to operate. Yada, yada. Changes to the licence were made last week. Chelsea led to sell away tickets, cup matches and fixtures involved involving the women's team. Under the changed licence, proceeds from the ticket sales will go directly to the Premier League and then be distributed to the relevant party. We have a constant dialogue with Chelsea fans. The Chelsea Supporters Trust has asked for supporters to buy tickets for all games this season. Yeah, it, it, it appears like there is going to be some more pushback on the loosening of the restrictions on Chelsea because I think there has been some complaints uh, from other clubs that they're getting special treatment. I mean, I don't know what the, what the line is. Um, there's an interesting piece here on the BBC that you should give a read to. Um, so obviously, Saturday marks the start of Ramadan and it will last for a month and end with the celebration of Eid on the 2nd of May. And there's just a piece here about what football can do to help players in their time of fasting. And it's also good just to educate yourself on these things. Why players fast or why why Muslims fast and and what goes on around it. So do check that out. It is um it's very, very interesting. So I would highly recommend reading that piece on the BBC website. Right, let's just jump into the questions and get those answered. Um AMK2889, listen to your pod the week of the latest international break. You discussed what you felt each team need in the offseason. You think that Ivan Tony will leave and is ready for a bigger club. What is your thinking as far as a bigger club? An Everton or Leicester or bigger than that, such as Spurs or Arsenal? You also talked about how Brighton needs to send it back. So I'll answer the Ivan Tony part first. I think an Everton, Leicester, Aston Villa. Who else is in that middle? Wolves, uh, West Ham. I think you could play for any of those. I think he'd be a really good signing for a West Ham who could do it an upgrade on Antonio. West Ham fans won't like the suggestion that that Tony is an upgrade on Antonio, but I believe that he is. I think his all-round game is superior, and I think he's a better source of goals as well. So they could also play as a as a duo if you needed them to, and I don't think Tony would be overly put out at having to rotate for a year with Antonio before taking over. So I would say anyone up to West Ham as a starter, as a squad player, if he was willing to go and be a squad player, and he has suggested that he would be a squad player at Liverpool, um, but maybe not anywhere else because he is a Liverpool fan, I wouldn't be against Liverpool signing him. I think he is a very good player, and I think he could be a really nice weapon to have in the squad. Uh, you also talked about Brighton needing a centre-back to fit in a back three and a starting striker. What centre-back would you choose for them as well as what striker? So in terms of 
the striker position, you're looking for someone that's really clinical in front of goal. You're looking for that poacher type of player. But it wouldn't be a bad idea if they bought someone that could also involve themselves with the physical side of things. They've tried to sign Darwin Noon, and I suggested Veghorst for a couple of years. Uh, they got neither of those deals done. I mean, it just depends on budget. If they could get someone like Schumacher from Sassuolo, he'd be a good fit. Um, I suggested Callum Wilson before he went to Newcastle. Well, not necessarily Wilson himself, but that profile, someone that can get you 15 to 20 goals each and every season and also be involved in everything else. Ivan Tony would probably be too expensive for them, but again, that type of profile. Um, I mean, I don't know what Andre Silva's going to do this summer. It hasn't gone brilliantly for him at Leipzig. Now, Brighton is a step down from Leipzig, admittedly, but someone like him. If Sebastian Haller wanted to come back to the Premier League, but he might have better offers, like there's been talk of Inter Milan wanting him. So maybe that's where he ends up. But someone like Sebastian Haller would make sense. I mean, Timo Pukki is just not quite good enough. If Watford go down, João Pedro would be an interesting one to bring in and develop. If Burnley go down and Veghorst has a buyout clause, then I would still say go for Veghorst. Ben Breerton Diaz might not be a bad fit. He's developing the hold up and link play side of his game more and more as this season goes on. So Ben Breerton Diaz might not be a bad idea. In terms of centre back, you're looking for a ball player. You're looking for someone that can progress the ball from the back, but also give you some aerial dominance and is comfortable 1v1 because you're going to get pulled out into those fullback slots. Now, a year ago, I would have said Mark Wehi is the way to go here. I think he'd be perfect. Depending on the situation at Everton, I'm, I wouldn't be against throwing in a bid for Ben Godfrey. I think Ben Godfrey could make sense. I think Lloyd Kelly could make sense. You'd have to move Webster across to the right, but that's fine. If Fulham weren't coming up, I would say Tosin, but Fulham will come up, so there's little to no point in looking there. Um, Max Kilman would be a... Re Max Kilman would actually be the perfect fit, but there's no way Wolves would sell. The likes of Joe Worrell, who I really like, you'd really need to be replacing Lewis Dunk with him. Do you know who I would go for? Joe Roden. Joe Roden of Spurs. He's out of the picture at Spurs. He's about the sixth or seventh centre-back there. He's very good on the ball. He's played in a three and he's comfortable in the three. I would go Joe Roden. Welsh international. I think he's quite underrated. I don't really understand what it is he's done wrong at Spurs to get so few opportunities. Only one appearance in the Premier League this season, eight in all competitions. But I really liked him at Swansea. I would go Joe Roden. That's, that's the defender I'd bring in if I'm them. And in terms of striker, I do think Ennis hmm. Yunal could be interesting. He's at Hatafe now. 14 goals in 28 games this season. He's at City for a little bit of time. He had that great season alone at 20. He's maybe not consistent enough in front of goal. That might be the knock on him. But he's having a really good season for Hatafe this year. He might be worth a look.
outside of him. I mean, to be fair, Maxi Gomez of Valencia kind of ticks all the boxes, but again, he hasn't shown himself to be consistent enough in front of goal season on season. But that's largely due to the fact that he's been playing in mediocre Valencia teams. If Valencia are willing to let him leave, which I do think they would be, he's 25, he'll be 26 in August. I like his all-round game, and I think he will get you goals if he's given the opportunities. Remember when he came through to Celta from when he moved over from Uruguay with Celta Vigo and he got like 17, 18 goals in his first season? Maxi Gomez, that's who I'd go. Joe Roden at centre-back and Maxi Gomez at striker. That's who I'd go for. Um, and finally, what formation? I, I would go 3-4-1-2. I would play or three four two one either. I would want Alexis McAllister in the team, and I would want Trossard in the team. Mope, I'm happy enough to have coming off the bench. So Gomez is the nine. Say McAllister and Trossard behind him, tucked in narrow. Then Lamptey, Basuma if he stays. If he doesn't, then Jakob Mur- uh, Jakob Motor, Mwepu and Cucurella, and then Joe Roden. Lewis Dunk and Adam Webster as my back three. Tom James, if you could pair any two strikers in the world together to make the best pairing as far as blend, chemistry, output and goals and assists, who would they be? Also, I remember Ian Wright telling a story about Gareth Southgate being hard as nails and that if you left one on them in training, you'd hear about it in the changing room afterwards. I can't for the life of me imagine Southgate in any way, shape or form being intimidating or getting in someone's face like that. Have you ever heard a story about a player coach that would really surprise you as far as how you have perceived them? Um, One of the funnier stories I've ever heard is about uh, a young Sir Alex Ferguson when he first went into management. So this would have been kind of... I assume it's St. Mirren. Um, Fergie's in his, you know, mid to late thirties. He had a bit of a reputation as a tough guy, as a player, one of those sort of big burly center forwards who threw himself about a lot. So apparently he was having a shout in a tantrum at some of the players. And one of his players walked by him to get a cup of tea. And Ferguson watched him walk by. And then as the player went to walk back with his cup of tea, slapped the cup of tea up into his face. And the player then turned around and knocked Ferguson clean unconscious. Now, I've never been able to verify that story, but I've heard it from three or four different people. So it's maybe one of those uh, old folk tales, but I think that's quite funny because Ferguson always had that sort of intimidating nature. So the idea of him getting flattened out cold on the dressing room floor is interesting. In the opposite regard, um, not really. I mean, the Southgate one, it surprises me, but then you go back and you think about Southgate as a player and he was quite dirty. Like, there's the clip going around today again of Roy Keane stamping on Garrett Southgate. But what's always overlooked is that Southgate goes in with both feet off the ground and catches Keane around the knees. So he wasn't exactly a shrinking violet. Um, I'm struggling. I am struggling. The Ferguson one is just the one that pops into mind. Did once hear about Ivan Leonardson going on a rant in the Liverpool changing room, but no one knew what he was saying, barred the other Norwegians in the dressing room. He just kept ranting in Norwegian and players just looking at him baffled. Uh, Alex Manninger apparently was a good one for losing his mind, but he would do so in German and no one would understand what he was saying when he was at Arsenal. Um, And he's such a mild-mannered person, Alex Manninger, that it's a little bit surprising. That's about it. That is about it. 
In terms of the two strikers, so I'd love to see Zhao Felix and Mbappe together. I think Zhao just dropping off into space, similar enough to, you know, a Burkamp, uh, Henri type of, of situation. And Kunku and Kunku Mbappe would be the best pairing. Nkunku Mbappe. Yeah, that would be the one. Kylian Mbappe, Christopher Nkunku. Uh, if I was managing the French national team, I would be putting them in the team and building from there. If I was managing PSG, I would be going all out to get Nkunku and I'd be trying to convince Mbappe to stay based on what those two together could be. I'd probably also look to bring back Moussa Diaby. Um... KR99, what are the five most bizarre managerial appointments a club has ever made? Uh, for example, Valencia appointing Gary Neville. Mr. Kevin Clark responds with Everton appointing Rafa would have to be up there, and it would. It's, it's definitely got to be in the mix. Um, I think Newcastle appointing Joe Kinnear is definitely one you'd have to consider. He'd been out of the game for basically for six years because he had that little spell at Nottingham Forest that was a failure, but it was kind of since he'd left Luton. Um, so he was the manager for a year and then he came back as director of football like four years later. But yeah, Joe Kinnear being appointed as manager of Newcastle uh, would certainly be one. And unsurprisingly, it did not go very well. 18 games uh, four wins. So, you know, not, not ideal. Uh, did love Joe Kinnear, though, when he was at Wimbledon and would frequently be linked with the Irish manager's job. Uh, I did always hope that he would take it because, you know, nice to have one of your own managing. And he was a really good manager. He was really good for Wimbledon through the through the 90s. Um Notts County and Sven Goran Eriksson. I think is one that has to be uh, has to be in consideration when they got money for about I don't know eight minutes. Um, was he director of football there though, or oh, he might have been director of football rather than manager? Yeah, he was director of football. He wasn't the manager, but he was reportedly getting two million a year, um, and then it all just came tumbling down around their ears within a couple of months. Very, very strange. Um, so, yeah, I can't really include him. Um, uh, Nicholas Anelka's brother, um, Claude Anelka, going to rate Rovers. That's a bizarre one. Edgar David's going to Barnet would have to be one. Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, Moy's going to rail saucy, that was always a bit of an odd one. So he didn't speak a word of Spanish. And he never really seemed like one that would even holiday abroad. So that's got to be up there. Um, Neville is definitely in the top five. That was just so strange. And entirely his brother's fault. And um, a Christian Gross, to be fair, Christian Gross to Spurs. Now, nothing against him. And maybe it wasn't the fact that like, he was quite a decent manager from, from memory. Um, what's he doing himself now? Uh, he was the coach of Schalke not that long ago. So they brought him in from Grasshopper Zurich, where he had done well, to be fair. Uh, he had won two league titles. And he went on to manage Basel and did very well there for a decade. But his time at Spurs was just weird. From when he turned up and took out the little stub for the underground uh, and said this was his ticket to the dream. It, now, look, it was just a language thing. I you know, don't want to mock the guy for you know having a dream and, and being very excited about having gotten this job. But yeah, it was just a little bit strange because no one in England had heard of him at the time. Um, 
Right, what else have we got here? Uh, oh yeah, KO99, Ireland appointing Steve Staunton in 2006. That's the right up there. Right up there. Um, how good a start, Isaac Gilding, how good a starting 11 can you make from players who will be free agents this summer? There's some famous ones, obviously, but there is, is there enough to make a decent team? Also, who do you think is the most two-footed player of all time, the most naturally ambidextrous? I would say Santi Cazorla is probably the most naturally two-footed player I've ever seen. Genuinely, I watched his entire career. I couldn't tell you which was his stronger foot. He was just incredible. He could take corners and free kicks with both feet. It wasn't like, you know, you see certain players and it's very clear one foot is sort of a robotic action and the other is more of a natural smooth swing. But with... With Santi Cazorla, he was naturally two-footed. Everything was perfect on both feet. So I would say Santi Cazorla. Uh, in terms of best 11 of out-of-contract players for this summer, so let's have a let's have a gander and see what we can put together. Uh, let's look for goalkeepers first. So uh, Andre Onana or Sam Johnston. There's also Thomas Strakowski, who's a, or Tom, Thomas Strakosha, who's a good goalkeeper. Sergio Asensio is a good goalkeeper. He's had a horrible luck with knee injuries. Uh, Matthew Perrin's another. There's actually some very good goalkeepers up on freeze. Igor Akinfeev, if, if anyone wants a, a Russian legend. Both Southampton goalkeepers are out of contract this summer. Samir Handanovic is out of contract this summer. David Ospina is out of contract. I would say Onana is the best keeper of the bunch, so we will go with him as our goalkeeper. Uh, right, let's look for right backs. Uh, Mazraoui is going to be hard to beat at right back. He is very, very good. Uh, Serge Aurier, Aspilicueta, Juan Cuadrado. Gibral Sidibe is not bad, uh, but Mazraoui is going to be the choice here. We'll write these down. Unfortunately for Ajax, who are a club that rely on sales to sort of operate, um, they're going to lose two very good players this summer. Uh, Left-backs, we can take a look. Centre-backs should be easy enough. Um, Left-backs, Marcel Halstenberg is a good player. Marcelo's the best of them in terms of what he's done in his career, but he's not very good anymore. The one I'm going to go for is Lee Buchanan of Derby County. Now he's 21, so you might have to pay, you would have to pay a tribunal fee, obviously, because he's he'd be moving English club to English club. But yeah, Lee Buchanan would definitely be worth picking up for a Premier League club. I'll accept that Holstenberg's a better player. But Buchanan is nine years younger, so I'm going to go for him. Um, Centre-back, it's hard really to look behind, look beyond Christensen and Rudiger. They're the two kind of big-ticket items. But James Tarkovsky is also worth mentioning here. Ramagnoli's at a contract. Luis Felipe of Lazio. Jason Denier of Lyon. Chancellor Mbemba, isn't there some mad thing going on with his age? Dan Axel Zagadu, worth having a look for a number of clubs. Uh, Romain Sykes, out of contract. Matthias Ginter, out of contract. I'm going to go back three, because obviously the Chelsea boys can't really be trusted without it. Uh, Rudiger and, and um, Buchanan are fine to play as wingbacks. So I'll go Tarkovsky. Christensen and Rudiger with Masraoui and Buchanan uh, as my wingbacks. We'll move into midfield then. And let's see. I don't know how good this team will be, but it won't be too bad. It's going to have Mbappe up front. So, I mean, from that point of view, right, midfield... There's three standout names. There's Paul Pogba, Frank Kessie, and Bubakar Kamara. There's Jeff 
Jesse Lingard, there's Florian Grilich, Christian Eriksen. I think he's got a club option for a year. Quarantine Tolisso, Luka Modric, that one's getting sorted. Ivan Perisic, I could play him as a left wing back. No, I'm going to stick with who I have. Uh, Jean-Michel Serri, Sergio Roberto. There's actually quite a few midfielders who are decent out of midfield. Uh, um, Isco's out of contract. Look, it's it's Kamara as your holding midfielder. It's Cassie as your sort of box-to-box dynamo. And it's Pogba as your 10. It has to be real. As bad as he's been in the Premier League, it, it does have to be Paul Pogba. Um, and then my front two will be Kylian Mbappe and Usman Dembele and I am now able to drop Paul Pogba from my team because I don't want him and put Paolo Dybala behind them so that's what I've got Uh, I'll put Pogba on my bench I've also got Lacazette Belotti, Bernadeschi, Di Maria, Divock Origi, Kyle Lahren, Ben Brayton, Diaz, but Blackburn have an option to extend. Luis Suarez, Eddie Nketia, Christian Pavon of um, Boca Juniors is an interesting one. He's very talented, but he's not quite reached the level that was expected of him. Christian Tello of Real Betis, uh, linked to Liverpool every year for about four years uh, and some Liverpool fans were desperate for them to sign him and uh, he's proven to not be very good but yeah I'll go I'll go Onana in goal Masrawi and Buchanan no Mas- let's be fair Perisic a better player than Buchanan I'll go Masrawi and, and Perisic as my wing backs uh, Tarkovsky Christensen and Rudiger as a back three Kamara and Kessie in midfield and Dybala behind Mbappe and Usman Dembele. And I'm happy enough with all of that, to be fair. So that's not too bad. Thank you for that one, Isaac. Uh, We'll take a break when we come back. A couple more questions, and we'll have the gossip. So see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So I've got a bunch of questions here from Sports Lens. So I'm going to try and get through them. Sorry, but I missed some of these before when you send them to me. Uh, if you were in charge of FIFA, what three rules would you implement effective immediately? Um, right, let's start with that one. So I would automatically have an independent doctor at every single game to assess all head injuries, not a team physician, I would not give the player any say in the matter, an independent doctor there to assess the player and make a ruling. If the player is unfit to carry on, the team gets to make a substitution. While the assessment is taking place, the team can make a temporary substitution, which becomes a permanent substitution if the player can't carry on, but does not count as one of their assigned substitutions. So that's one second one, I do away with all international friendlies. I think they're nonsense. No more international friendlies. Just get rid of them all. And the third one, I think, See, because it's FIFA, not UEFA, you can't really put in place a proper a proper um, kind of FF, like financial fair play sort of ruling. So that would be out. I think I'd bring in Hawkeye to a greater extent in terms of the ball crossing the line, not just the goal line, but the other lines of the pitch as well. Because we've seen multiple goals scored this season in top flight leagues where the ball, and last season, where the ball has left the field of play on a pass down the channel 
and the linesman just hasn't seen it for whatever reason. Uh, the most obvious one is United at, at West Ham last season when Dean Henderson's big long punt down the line very clearly drifted out of play and came back in. So I think I'd bring in Hawkeye for situations like that. Um, what five footballers do not move you and which five footballers do move you? Footballers that do not move me. Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Pogba, Neymar, Wayne Rooney never really did it for me. But I wouldn't say he didn't move me. He's a good player. But Gareth Bale has never really done it for me. You boot it down the line, you run quicker than everybody else, and you can kick the ball harder than other people. That's not really it for me. Uh, so that'll be four. And for a fifth, Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos, just awful. What players do, if we're going now, um, Maxence Kakaresh, Thiago Alcantara, Pedri, Busquets always. And Jeff Felix. So I'll take that. Uh, if you were in the United board, who would be a better fit and why? Enrique or Ten Hag? Enrique would. Number one, he's more used to managing in high-pressure situations. He's managed at a bigger club than Ten Hag. He has had major success. I do think Ten Hag is a more promising manager. But I think Louis Enrique would be a better fit at United given his profile and given some of the problems that United have. I think he'd be better at glossing over them than Ten Hag. He's also younger than Ten Hag, which is strange. Um, he's had an odd managerial career. He did not do well with Roma or Celta Vigo. Somehow got the Barca job off the back of a fairly mediocre job at Celta. Um, obviously won a treble, which was very impressive. Following season, won a double, but they got worse each year under him, which is a bit concerning. Um, but yeah, I think I would go for him. I just think he's got more experience, he's been in more high pressure games, and I think the job he's done with Spain has been pretty good in terms of rebuilding the squad, but he's ignoring some of his best players, which is just never advisable. I, I would go Louis Enrique. Um, on the anniversary of David Rowe Castle's death, can you describe what type of player he was? Who stylistically past or present was he similar to? And how good was he? Rowe Castle never fully reached his potential because of a knee injury. But early Rowe Castle, and I've only seen this in, you know, in, in on tape. I, I was five when Rowcastle turned 20, uh, I was eight, I was three when he made his debut at 18. So I, I missed probably the best years of Rowcastle at Arsenal. But from watching back, his ability to carry the ball, his dribbling ability, his power, I think Jude Bellingham is quite similar to him. Now, Bellingham's longer than him. Bellingham's 6'1", 6'2". Castle was 5'9". So he had a more kind of compact, powerful bid build rather um but yeah i think bellingham has traits of roe castle about his game he was spectacular even when he was at leeds and at city and at chelsea even though he'd slowed and the injuries had clearly taken hold he was still a hell of a player you have to remember though like his career was basically over in 98 to be fair his career was basically over in 96 he was 29 years of age. The injuries were just too much uh, for him to overcome. He never got capped by England after 92. He, sh he should have won. He should have won 100 England caps. But he got 14. That knee injury in 1990 really set him back. And he was never the same. Even the last year at Arsenal, he was never the same. Um, but Rocky Rowcastle, like... Go back and find highlights of his kind of 87 to 
early 89 sort of run. Just unbelievable. A match winner each and every week. Could do a bit of everything in midfield. There's not many players like him anymore. But I would say Jude Belling was probably the one that has traits. Gerard had certain traits in terms of his ball-carrying ability, but Gerard couldn't dribble the way Rowcastle could. Um, and Gerard had more of a sort of elongated stride where he liked to push the ball ahead of him and really power onto it, whereas Rowcastle could work in tighter spaces. I'd say Jude Bellingham was the one. I could be wrong. Others will have different opinions on it, but that's who I'd go with. Um, Barnsley's left peg. A question for the listeners' questions today, if you haven't recorded already. How many? How good was Pavel Nedved? Oh. Oh, Pavel Nedved was unbelievably good. Pavel Nedved, from when he joined Lazio up until probably... When did Juve get it, get relegated? Oh, six. That 10-year run, he was one of, if not the best midfield players in the world for that decade. Now, you can obviously, you've got Zidane and people like that, but Nedved's consistency was spectacular. His role in that Lazio team that won the title so they played a 4-4-2 that became a box midfield in possession with Stank, Dejan Stankovic on the right and him on the left. And these were two guys that could win matches by themselves, but their off-ball work was just different class. Like, they could both press high up or drop back and basically be second left-backs in front of the second full-backs in front of the right and left-back. And then they lead a counter-attack. And when they get teams pinned back in a half-pitch set attack with the defence all set, flat back four, two centre midfielders sitting in front, Nedved and Stankovic with their movement and intelligence, Nedved could pop right, could go central, Stankovic would make runs central, and they always have an ability to find each other. Then you had Varon just dictating from midfield. When he went to Juve, he went to Juve as the Zidane replacement. I mean, near impossible task. And if anything, Juve got better. Now, it also helped that they bought Turam and they bought Buffon and they got in uh, Capello as manager, but he was he was sensational. Very, very strong weak foot as well, but his kind of reminds me a little bit of David Rowcastle in that kind of shorter, about 5'10-ish, if I'm right. Yeah, about 5'10", stocky build, could work in small space, but could really power forward with the ball. Dynamite shot off his right foot, good left foot, creative passer, though often overlooked for his passing. Loyal to a fault. Would have stayed at Lazio, only the financial situation meant they had to sell him. Stayed at Juventus when they got relegated, even though he could have moved on. Now, he was 34 at the time, but he, he still would have had offers to go elsewhere. Went down with the ship, came back up with them. Um, I would say, in my time watching football, he is comfortably the best Czech player I've seen. Riziki's probably second. I loved Riziki. But I would put Nedved a level above. I, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, who's like him now is an interesting question. There's bits of Kovacic's game that are similar, but he's more of a central midfielder, whereas Nedved played wider. Um, I'm not sure there is anyone. Zielinski has moments, moments where there's real flashes of Nedved in his game. That same type of build, that same ability to sort of burst forward from midfield. Now, he's obviously been used in a very different way in his career to Nedved and doesn't get as much attacking freedom. On the occasions where he has gotten attacking freedom, he's been able to reward his teams with goals. There's little bits of Ox that I wonder if Ox had been developed as a left winger, cutting in field, that same sort of build, that same sort of explosive burst. 
I do sort of wonder if Ox could do things. Zielinski last season, 10 goals in all competitions. Um, Zielinski's probably the closest to him stylistically, but in terms of level, there's no, 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 not even close. Um, I, I really don't think there's many like him at all or have been many like him. Like, I'm just going through Premier League teams in my head and I can't, there's no one in the Premier League. No one in La Liga that I can think of. No one in the French League that I can think of. No one in the Bundesliga that I can really think of either. No, he, he is, he's quite a unique player. Zielinski is probably the closest stylistically, but in terms of level and style, there's no one close. Um, okay, what else have I got here? Right, last one, Adam Hanlon. Uh, Chumeni, Vitania, Carvalho, Gavi, heavy links to, to LFC. What's your opinion of it? I think we target two of the four, one of the four. How would it affect Jones and Elliot, in your opinion? Um, Chumeni, I think, is a definite target. Vitania, I don't believe to be a target. Carvalho, I think, is a target. And Gavi, I think, would be an opportunity more than an actual target because of the contract situation at Barcelona. Um, I don't think Liverpool will look to sign Vitania. I wonder if that was maybe just a bit of a warning shot fired across because Porto were being linked with Carvalho around that time. I think he is Liverpool's preferred target for that more attack-minded, creative midfield type. Um, how would it affect Jones and Elliot? If you're good enough, you'll play. Now, I think when I look at Carvalho, I see someone more similar to Coutinho so I think probably in this iteration of Liverpool, he probably plays as a left-sided forward. So he and Diaz would compete for that role. Um, but I do think in, a, in the long term, in a 4-2-3-1, that's probably how you get more from them. And that would be Elliot playing as the right winger, uh, be it as a starter or as the depth piece. Carvalho as the left-sided one who can also play as the 10. Elliot can also play as the 10. And Jones is sort of the backup 10. So those three could be your backup three in a 4-2-3-1. If, let's just say, for example, Liverpool did sell Mane and buy. Let's just say they bought Nkunku. Okay, so you go Salah, Nkunku, Diaz behind Jota. And then you've got Firmino is the backup to Jota and then Elliot Jones and Carvalho as the backups behind the striker. I'd like another addition to that. I See, I'd rather play Salah as the nine with Jota as the backup. I'd like Rafinha on the right with Elliot. Then Firmino in Kunku, Firmino and Jones as the backups in the 10 spot. And then Diaz and Carvalho on the left. So if Sadio left, I'd want two, just because I'm greedy. Just because I'm greedy. But I, I would prefer 4-2-3-1 than 4-3-3 anyway. Um, I'll word this terribly, but I'll give it a go. If Klopp and our recruitment team were to try and use our current model and philosophy, let's say from 2000 to 2010, who do you think they'd look to recruit to fit the same profiles as our best or current 11. I say 2011 because that's when Henderson joined and he's currently our longest serving player in our squad. So prior to having to use any of our current players. So do you mean players that played for Liverpool in 2000 and to 2000, from 2000 to 2011 to fit this team? Or do you mean to recreate this team with players from other other clubs at that point, because I, I you can't recreate this Liverpool team from that 
era of Liverpool. So I'll take it that what you mean is if these guys had been in charge between 2000 and 2011, who would they have signed to recreate the current team? So they wouldn't have needed to, to buy anyone to replace Henderson. They would have had Gerrard, who's obviously vastly superior. So that's fine. So we can, we can chalk that one down. Um, right. In terms of Fabinho, I would say Emerson, who played for Roma and Juventus. He would be the one in midfield for me. Uh, in terms of Thiago, I think it's Xavi. I think Xavi is the one you go for. You try and take advantage of some of the chaos that was surrounding uh, Barcelona sort of prior to Reichardt going there. Um, and you, you try and get a young Xavi. He would have been, you know, kind of early 20s at the time. So your midfield is Ger Gerard, Emerson, and Xavi, which would be nice. Um, for Mane, God, Mane is so unique in, in profile. Let me come back to Mane. Firmino is basically a different version of Burkamp, but Burkamp was his best years were sort of before the 90s. This will sound a bit mad because his career went off the rails, but Adrian Mutu would be a nice fit. Could do a bit of everything, really skillful player, could link things, could get goals, all field stuff, not ideal, but I think I would go with Mutu. For Mane, you probably just go Cristiano. You probably do just go Cristiano. Because at the time, he was a different type of player. He was more of a, a wide forward or winger than what he later became. He was more of a winger than the, the wide forward he later became. So I think you go for him. Um, I'll come back to Salah. For Trent, it's Javier Zanetti is the only one worthy of consideration. For Van Dyke, you probably go Yap Stam, but he's not. Yap wasn't as good on the ball as Virgil. You're looking for. It's the answer is Nesta. For Liverpool's current pairing to replace the best of what they both give you, you want Stam and Nesta. At left back, I think you go Ashley Cole. You look at his Arsenal years when he was a real attacking force. Before he became the truly elite defender, he was really, really good going forward and questionable at the back. Uh, I think you go Ashley Cole. So you go Zanetti, Stam, Nesta, Cole, Gerard Emerson, Xavi, Cristiano Mutu. I think Mutu. I think Mutu is the answer there. And Claudio Lopez for Salah. Claudio Lopez, when he was at Valencia, was absolutely superb. You know, for left back, you could go Kili Gonzalez and try and convert him if you got him cheap. But yeah, I, I would say now, admittedly, Claudio Lopez never reached the heights that Mo has reached, but his 98-99 season at Valencia, he scores 33 goals, which is really impressive. 17 the following year. Then he moved to Lazio in 2000, so that, you know, that kind of follows. Um, what age was he then? He was 26, so yeah, he'd have been about the age that we would have signed somebody. So, yeah, I'd go Claudio Lopez. 
Now, that's obviously going to be a very expensive team. But if you get Claudio Lopez was expensive when he went to Lazio. I think they paid 30 million euro. Uh, let's see. Adrian Mutu. What kind of fee did he move? So he would have been leaving into Milan on sort of a free-ish transfer type of deal. Um, so he cost about th- about 4 million euros. So we'll take him. Christian, I think United paid 12 million for him. So we'll take him. Um, Xavi would have been expensive. Emerson. He would have been. He was a Bayer Leverkusen in 1990, and Roma signed him for about 18 million euro. I think that's probably less at the time, but yeah, I take him definitely as the as the Fabinho type. Absolutely brilliant for Roma and for Juventus. So uh, I would go with him. It would be an expensive team. Like it, it would be because to recreate the current Liverpool team would be insanely expensive. Um, goalkeeper is the toughest one though, because goalkeepers as good with their feet as Allison are few and far between across the history of the game. They were a much rarer thing back in the nineties and two thousands. I mean, Buffon was the best keeper, but you couldn't really say him because he wasn't as good with his feet as what Allison is. But he was a better shot stopper and he's better on crosses. Um, best in the Premier League. Reina, no thanks. Maybe young Petr Cech, if you could have got him before Chelsea. He was decent with his feet before he got the head injury. And he became more of a, you know, nuts and bolts type of keeper. Arsenal didn't have any. They let Jens Lehmann. I don't want any part of him. Uh, Bartes, too small for Klopp. Peruzzi, too small for Klopp. Taldo, not good enough with his feet. Victor Valdez would be a hard no. I mean, Canizares was decent with his feet, not great. I'm also not sure what age he was. Canizares, no, he was already 30. Um, I always liked Rustu Rekbar. I don't know how good he was with his feet, though. Didn't really see a whole lot of it. Didn't have a great time at Barcelona. Um, Oliver Kahn was the best keeper in the world for the early part of the 2000s until uh, Buffon overtook him. He was in his 30s heading into that decade. Buffon's the best. We'll just go Buffon. It's ludicrously expensive, but maybe you get him the year before he goes to Juve. You get them for a better price. Um, I guess Dida was the Brazilian keeper of the time. No, thanks. Um, yeah, we'll just go Buffon. Um, yeah. Uh, right, let's do the gossip and be done. England midfielder Calvin Phillips has told Leeds he wants to sign a new contract this summer which would leave Manchester United, Liverpool, Newcastle and West Ham. Oh, and Aston Villa all disappointed. Uh, France forward Anthony Martial could be used by Manchester United in a make-way to sign Harry, as a make-way to sign Harry Kane. I don't see Spurs agreeing to that. United are keen on Darwin Nunes, but their hopes of landing him will hinge on Champions League qualification. Nunes has told Benfica he is keen to move this summer and wants to go to the Premier League. Fair play to him. That's where the money is. Arsenal could move for Paolo Dybala as a cheaper alternative to their other targets. Uh, he won't be cheap when you see his wages. 
Uh, Everton will have to sell one of the star forwards, uh, either Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison in the summer. I think they're going to have to sell both of them because I don't think either of them want any part of relegation slogs. Manchester United are gathering information on what it would take to secure Eric Ten Hag, uh, such as compensation fee, etc., etc. Ten Hag could play a key role in signing Cody Gakpo for United should the IX manager be appointed. Bizarre. Inter Milan could try to re-sign Romelu Lukaku, as I've suggested. Straight swap for Latour Martinez. Works for everybody. Netherlands winger Steven Bergwijn has hinted he is ready to bring his time to, to, at Tottenham to an end this summer. Yeah, it's fair. It's about time. Czech Republic striker Patrick Schick has been linked with Arsenal or, and Barcelona. But the club's chief executive say he will not be leaving. But Leverkusen chief executive say he will not be leaving the summer. If the right offer comes in, he's going. Newcastle are set to make a move for Aaron Hickey, according to the spoofer. Uh, Manchester United are ready to make a move for Tammy Abraham. That could work. That could work. Chelsea and France forward N'Golo Kante has turned down an approach from Paris Saint-Germain. He just doesn't seem like he'd fit there at all. He's like the anti-PSG. AC Milan are reconsidering a move for Real Madrid forward Marco Asensio after being put off by his wage demands. Yeah, he's going to want big money because he's a big name player, even though his production and performance doesn't live up to that. But yeah, that is what it is. Uh, That will do me for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.